Now, these two rebukes were related really to Hezekiah's big sin problem, and that is pride. He had a pride problem. He was one, he was an object lesson really of the of the verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 18. It says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 29. We are going to talk about, about the life of Hezekiah and especially his good life and uh, what comprises his life to being good is what we are going to deal tonight and we will uh, read just a couple of verses second chronicles chapter 29 I will read two verses, and you just follow along as, as I read verses 1 and 2, Second Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. The Word of God says, Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah, and the uh, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. Now, King Hezekiah was the thirteenth uh, king of Judah. His story is told in the book of Second Kings as well. You can see that uh, I think in the beginning of, of chapter eighteen. And also here in Second Chronicles, and also he was mentioned in the book of Isaiah. And there are also other books that was um, mentioned. His name is also mentioned in some books like Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, Jeremiah, Hosea, and Micah. Now, just to give you a little bit of, of uh, kind of um, a picture of, of wh when was Hezekiah reigned, so... Guys, do you have that uh, uh, picture, please? I'm not sure. It's very, very uh, <laughs> small, but I would like to, um, it, to point out. So we have here the United Kingdom, correct? So we have three kings. So we have King Saul, King David, King Solomon. And afterwards, the, the Bible tells us that the, that the kingdom split into two. We have the Northern Kingdom and we have the Southern Kingdom. And so the first king who reigned during, by the time the kingdom was split in 931 BC is Rehoboam. And so here Hezekiah reigned during this time. And uh, you can see here that he is the thir 13th king of the southern tribe. Uh, we call it Judah. Now here, I'm not sure if you can really see this. But it's basically a summary of all the kings of Judah telling us that who was the wicked and who is the good king, and his name is here. And so the Lord and even the Bible considered him as a good king. So you can put it uh, down. Now the Bible records um, several great revivals where people 
in great numbers turned to God and gave up their sinful ways of living. So we have kind of example in the time of Moses, the time of Joshua, the time of Ezra, Nehemiah, and so on, and so in time of Josiah, Josiah as well. Now each of this revival, if you would study this, was characterized by a leader who recognized, recognized his nation's spiritual dryness. And in, in each case, the leader took action and was not afraid to make his desires known to people. And King Hezekiah's good life was the key to one of the greatest revivals recorded in the Bible. As a result, God prospered him and the kingdom because he wholly followed the Lord. You know, it's funny because uh, last Sunday, Pastor Ivan talked about the king who, yes, he's a good king, but he followed the Lord halfway, like a half-hearted, um, you know, a half-hearted obedience in such a way that, you know, God, God also, uh, you know, he, he had a judgment uh, from God. And here we see that Hezekiah fa followed the Lord uh, fully. And uh, indeed, God blesses us when we follow him he always does he rewards those who follow him faithfully and we have an example here in deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 and 2 this is the lord speaking to his people and it came to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the lord thy god to observe and to do all his commandments which i command command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God and the Bible says also that we are we are blessed if we obey God's word and especially if you look into Luke chapter 11 verse 28 Jesus Christ said ye rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it and also in Revelation chapter 22 verse 14 Jesus Christ said blessed are they that do his commandments now, in Hezekiah's life, there are four things that we will uh, um, see here. And uh, there are four things that cause God to bless him. But before we go into, into that, let's commit this message to the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the events that you have recorded in, this, in, in the Bible but Lord, we ask that you would help us to see not just the events, but also the principles and truths. And help us, Lord, to understand them. Not just to understand and to really think that it, the things that we will hear tonight are good. But also help us, by your grace, apply these into our lives. And Father, we ask that you would speak into our hearts. May your name be glorified in our midst, in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the first thing here, first thing is his good character. 
his good character. And you know, as, as what I've mentioned, God blesses good character of right and wrong. God blesses good character of right and wrong. If you're taking down notes, that are, that's our first point. God blesses good character of right and wrong. Now, how did Hezekiah get such a good character? Uh, first here, we can see in verse 1, I will read that once again. Hezekiah began to reign when he, wa when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. And, this, and his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Now, there's nothing something about, like, you know, his good character there. But if you look a chapter before, Second Chronicles chapter 28, we read that Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, was one of the worst kings of Judah in that he brought back Baal worship, tore down the instruments of God's holy temple, and replaced them with idols, and even sacrificed his children in the fire. And there was always war because he did, the Bible says, that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now you would think, that Hezekiah would mess up too because they are the sins of our fathers, right? But amazingly, through all that indescribable horror that you can read and see from his dad, Hezekiah developed a good character in the sight of God. Now certainly, this was the hand of God for his life. But you notice that Hezekiah's mom was mentioned in verse 1, right? And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Now, to give you, you know, a, a, just a short background, if you know King Uzziah, his spiritual counselor was Zechariah. And this is the, the person here that's mentioned in, in, in verse 1. He had a daughter named Abijah. And I believe, even though the verse doesn't mention about whatsoever here, that Zechariah uh, raised her daughter into fear of the Lord. And therefore, even though the Bible doesn't explicit, uh, explicitly tells us what Abijah's role in Ezekiah's life is, I believe that Abijah played a significant role in keeping this young king, Hezekiah, away from the evil influences of Ahaz and brought him up to fear the Lord. And you see, the reason why King Hezekiah gets such a good character because he listened to the right counsel. He listened to the right counsel. Now, we also need to understand that he had one of the good preachers back then, and that is the prophet Isaiah. And therefore, we can see in verse 2 that he did right. He did right in the sight of God. He did right in the sight of God. And I believe his right actions, his right actions were rooted in his close relationship with God. His character 
likened to his great-grandfather David. And the Bible says, according to all that David, his father, had done. Now, an out of eight good kings in Judah, there were only three kings that were associated with David's action toward the Lord. Their names are um, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Josiah. So those only three kings. They were not mentioned in other five good kings. But on these three, Hezekiah did right according to, notice, all that David, his father, had done. Because of his right actions, uh, right decisions, to trust the Lord, God praised him even, even in, in, in the verse. And, and for that, we can see it in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5. I mean, this is a good commendation for his life. In verse 5, 2 Kings chapter 18, the Word of God says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He was the best of all the kings of Judah. Now this is referring to the kings after the, div uh, the division of the kingdom. So starting from Rehoboam until the end of the southern J Judah in 586 B.C., who is... King Zedekiah, who is the king during that time, of all those kings in the southern tribe, he is the best. He is the best, the Bible says. Now, in the world of sports, especially in boxing, now a lot of people would say that Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. I'm not sure if you would agree with that. You can disagree or not, but um, that's a lot of, you know, many people say that he is the greatest. You know, there's a, also a big debate in NBA about Jordan versus LeBron, who is the greatest of all. I will say Jordan, sorry for the LeBron fans. You know, but I know a lot of people would disagree with me with that. In NFL sports, in football, I say that Brady is the greatest of all time. I know, but I know a lot of people would disagree, will disagree. But my point is this. For someone to say, of, uh, to say you are the greatest of all time really means something, right? It really means something. Especially if it is true. Coming from God means even more. The ultimate compliment. He is the only one completely qualified to give the true honest assessment. So God is saying in, this, in the verse that we've read that Hezekiah is the greatest. I believe that this would tie in into, into two things. Here in verses 5, if you're still there in chapter 18, verse 5 and 6, there's 
two great things that you need to, you know, for me, I, I encircle it because this is what he did. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Now, this separates him from other kings, especially those wicked kings who trusted other gods. And for King Hezekiah to trust the Lord God of Israel really means something. And not only that, in verse 6, not only he trusted in the Lord, but also he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. Now, I think these are the keys to which the Lord God tells us that Hezekiah was the greatest. And therefore, in verse 7, if you would continue in reading there, and the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. The Lord prospered him whithersoever he went forth. Now, the world will tell you that to prosper in life, you should do this, you know, or do that. And you follow these worldly ways, but end up in destruction. Now, we have a verse for that in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, will teach us, that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And talking about the Bible, and what shall we do with the Bible? What shall we do with it? But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now if you study the Bible, prosperity and success are not based on something you have or, or something that is based on some, uh, something that you have attained in life. Now, if you read closely to Joshua 1.8, prosperity and success is based on knowing the will of God, which we can find in this book. Knowing the will of God and doing it faithfully in your life. Not on any other things. And I believe that that's what King Hezekiah did. And so we read in Second Chronicles chapter 31, 20 to 21, and it says, And thus did Hezekiah through all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in law and in commandments to seek his God, he did, he did it with all his heart and prospered. King Hezekiah's upbringing on right and wrong gave him a good character. So God blessed him greatly. And with the second thing, not only he has a good character, but also we can see his good obedience, good obedience. And it's amazing, uh, if you read, let's turn back to Second Chronicles chapter 20, 29, 
Second Chronicles chapter 29, it's amazing to read that in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. That's mentioned in verse 3. He, in the first year of, this, of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now, someone said, when there is a financial crisis, the first thing we think about is money. When there is a communications crisis, our prime concern is to learn how to speak the language of the modern generation. When there is a church attendance crisis, we make it our chief aim to get numbers up. If Hezekiah has responded to a military threat in a military way, we will talk about that later on, the Assyrians would have understood that. The army would have been matched against the army with dire consequences for Judah. But instead, he and his people first look up to God. And majority of the kings of Judah, if you read all majority of the kings, they failed to obey God's word, especially about idols and about trusting men. When crisis happened, they always relied on the strength of other nations and failed to trust God. Furthermore, instead of worshiping the true God, they worshiped the gods of the Canaanites. Hezekiah paid attention to the past and learned from it. He understood that all the troubles they've experienced were the results of their rebellion against God. Now look at me in Second Chronicles chapter 29. You're there already. And I'll just read verses 6 to 9. And look at how he, you know, he, he told the people, and all the things that we have experienced, this, is, this was our problem. This was our problem. In verse 6, For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch, and put out the lamps, and have not burned in incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as ye see with, with you eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen from the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. You see, Hezekiah's obedience can be seen and to the extent of his own actions. And you can see that uh, we, will, we will not have time to you know, dig all everything here, because, but I'll just summarize it to you. If you're taking down notes, here's four things that he did. The extent of his obedience. He cleansed the temple that's mentioned in chapter 29. He, he actually started in, in the Levites and the priests. He cleansed the temple. Number two, he reinstituted 
the Passover that's mentioned in chapter 30 of Second Chronicles. Not only that, he reinstituted other fe festivals in the same chapter. And also, he restored the proper worship that's mentioned in chapter 31. Talking about house cleaning. And because he led the people on coming back to the Lord, we can also see the extent of others' actions. You know, he started it as a leader, and therefore, therefore we can see it also towards others. Now, if you're there, uh, let's turn back. If you open your Bibles, let's turn back to 2 Kings chapter 18. We can see what he did. In verse 4, the Bible says, He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces and, and the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehoshten. And you see what he did. And now let's go back to Second Chronicles. A little bit of Bible drill here. Second Chronicles and chapter 1. Uh, sorry, chapter 31. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 31, verse 1. Now when all this was finished, look at this. All Israel that were present went out to the cities of Judah and break the images in pieces and cut down the groves and throw down the high places and the altars of all Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim also in Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. Then all the children of Israel returned, every man to his possession into their own cities. Now look at the, when Hezekiah did all these house cleanings, we see also the, the effect of that and to, uh, to people. King Hezekiah was very serious about obedience to the Lord. Now let's go to the third, and that is his good motives. He had good motives. Now for that, let's go to Second Chronicles, you're there already, chapter 32. And we see here one of the trials during his reign that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, wanted to capture the city. He already captured the cities around Jerusalem. Not only that, he sent his generals to Hezekiah and then blatantly you know, um, mocked the name of God in, in the ears of all the Jews in Jerusalem. Hezekiah wants to win this war. But as you can see, when you try to read this, it's really impossible. It's impossible to win. That's why he needed a miracle. Winning this battle would make him, you know, Famous, if you will, probably. But this was never his concern. He had a good motive. He had a good and right motives in winning this battle. 
Because we can see that in two, two accounts in the verses. First, Second Chronicles chapter 32. I will read verses 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. This is King Hezekiah telling the people of Judah. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. Great confidence there. In verse 8, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord God, Lord our God, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. He wants his people to trust God that he will fight for their battles. That is a really good motive in winning this battle. Not only that, let's turn back to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 19. Now, to give you a, a, a little bit of a background here, Hezekiah received a letter from Sennacherib. And here, we can see in verse 14, he went to the Lord and spread this letter, praying to God. And here in verse 19, he said, Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, this is his concern, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the, the Lord God, even thou only. He wants all the kingdoms of the earth to know that the Lord is the only true God. He had a good motives in winning this battle. It, is what, it was not for himself but his motive was to magnify God in the eyes of his people and in the eyes of all the kingdoms of the earth. Now, quickly and forth, here, and this is the last, not only, you know, God blesses, God blesses uh, with a good character, good obedience, good motives, but also in the fourth, God blesses good attitudes. There were two great prayers that's recorded in the life and from the Hezekiah's account. The first here, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 19. I, I think you're already there. And, you know, he had a good attitude to God's testing. And actually, it's, there's two that happened in his life. One is the battle crisis, and his response to the battle crisis was to turn to God in prayer. He really depended on God. And let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 19. I'll be reading that passage, verse 14. The Word of God says, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messenger, of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord 
and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth, dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone. In all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of, the tr of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, and therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, the Lord God, even thou only. He had a good attitude and good response to the battle crisis, and he turned to God. Not only that, his response to the health crisis was to turn to God in prayer as well. Now look with me in 2 Kings chapter 20. Verses 1 to 6, chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. In those days was Hezekiah, Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to, to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now look at has, when there's battle crisis, when there's health crisis, he turned to God in prayer. He had a good attitude towards it. But not only that, you know, towards God's rebuke as well. Now, I'll be lying if I say he, he's, he's, you know, he's a really perfect person. Because the Bible does not hide the sinfulness of men, even those who wholly trusted the Lord, even David himself. This is one thing that separates from other religious books of men. The Bible exposes the sins of the individuals, groups of people, and nations. Now, his response to the rebuke of God was really not good. Um, you know, God healed him. You know, with all, that, that is a great prayer. And therefore, God healed him. And somehow, if you read, let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 32. And somehow we re read this word, this verse, in verse 25, 2 Chronicles chapter 25. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. For his heart was lifted up, and therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. 
Now, even though Hezekiah prayed and God answered his request, the Bible says that he rendered not again according to the benefit that's done unto him. He did not respond to God appropriately for the blessing he received. Because you see here, for his heart, the Bible says, his heart was lifted up. As a result, there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. And this is his response to the rebuke of God, right? God rebuked him, but in verse 26, it says, Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the habit inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. He had a good response for that rebuke of God. But also, when God pronounced judgment to his kingdom and to the future of the southern tribe, when the kingdom, you know, we don't have a really, have more time, but I'll just kind of give you a summary. When the kingdom of Babylon sent ambassadors to congratulate him for his recovery, for the miracle that God did for his health, we are told that they also came to inquire about the wonder that was done in, in the land, especially the battle that he had won miraculously. Not only that, he... It's not just inquire... But the Bible says that he showed all the wealth of Jerusalem to his Bab Babylonian vi visitors. And therefore, Isaiah prophesied that Babylon would take Judah into captivity one day. And instead of murmuring against God, Hezekiah accepted it as the Lord's will for Judah. And also was glad that it would not happen in his lifetime. Now, the Bible says that God left him, if you read that account, left him to try him so that he might know all that was in his heart. He was not as perfect as he was said in his, his, in his prayer. He was not perfect in grace as he thought he was in his prayer, but had his follies and infirmities just as uh, other men. Now, these two rebukes were related really to Hezekiah's big sin problem, and that is pride. He had a pride problem. He was one, he was an object lesson really of the, of the verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 18. It says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he thought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Nevertheless, Hezekiah showed a good attitude to God's testing and also to God's rebuke. Now, the question would be, what does this all mean to us? You know, we hear, hear these great stories in, in the Old Testament, in all the accounts 
there. It's, it's good. There's a lot of things that, you know, you wonder because of God's miraculous salvation to his people, right? But Paul told, he, told the Corinthian believers in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians that this was, they were written, written for our examples and actually to give admonitions for all of us, especially into our time. And so what does this all mean to us? We've seen that Hezekiah was far from perfect, correct? And so do we. We're uh, far from perfect. But as you can see, God still blessed him because he wholeheartedly obeyed the Lord. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he continually obeyed the Lord. Now, to live a good life, it's not easy, right? This evening, when you decide to live a good life and to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, you know it already. Satan will always hinder you when you decide that. When you decide to obey God wholeheartedly, Satan will hinder you. He will hinder us. But I think the key is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And now the context of this is about the uh, Corinthian believers giving to uh, the missions. But the principle is still the same. And the, the Bible says in verse 5 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, I want you to, under, to understand the, you know, you know, the, kind of, uh, the context here a little bit. Paul gave an exhortation to the church at Corinth to give to the poor saints at Jerusalem. Poverty in the time of the Roman Empire was no joke. Also, Christians at Corinth were not rich. It's beyond their own power to give to the poor saints in Jerusalem. But the key is found in verse that we just have read. They gave themselves to the Lord, and therefore they can do beyond their capacity. And so living a good life and an obedient life to the Lord is really beyond our capacity. Unless the Holy Spirit enable us to do that, we can't do nothing. We can't do, uh, we can't do it. We can't. And so living an obedient life is difficult, but it is possible when we give ourselves to the Lord. And I believe we can do it. We can do it, or else God will not command it to us, right? But he did. Jesus Christ said, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. With a good life, come the four things that we've learned. We need to have the right character, a good one. We must trust God and cleave to Him. We need to have a right obedience, a good obedience. You already know that partial obedience is disobedience. So maybe like Hezekiah, we might need to do a house cleaning in our hearts, with our priorities, and in our lives. Is God above all in our actions? 
Number three, we need to have the right motives. The good motive are the things we do in life for ourselves or for the glory of God. And the fourth one, we need to have the right attitude, a good attitude in the sight of the Lord. God tests us through financial crisis, health, jobs, and relationships. Do we respond with right attitude? Do we come first to God and cry out to Him, or is He our last resort? When He rebukes us through the preaching and the reading of His Word, do we respond in humility and repentance? You know, as a parent, parents, I'm not still one, but, you know, for all the parents, it's important you train your child with a good life if we want to see God bless them. As, a, as adults also, it's important we submit our lives to God and develop these four qualities so that we too can have good lives and receive the blessing of God. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.